Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by our good friends at ESPN 730 on thehive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the most hardcore of fans. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. And it really is beautiful, Justin, because springtime is here, nice days all week. It has been a wonderful time to walk around uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend from ESPN 730. Justin Thomas. Justin, how are you? You know I'm a little tired. <laughs> don't say um, no. You got to bring the heat. Listen, know, Justin. I, I don't like. I don't you're like excited. This. You're, this has been a huge march for the Hornets. You're um, you, you're excited. You know I wouldn't necessarily say I'm excited because my Lakers still suck, but it does they make got my a vi- job. They got a victory last night. They overtime. did. They did. Um, Lake Show fans. Don't um, worry. We'll talk about D'Angelo so, Russell but, coming up. But there's up. good things. You know the Hornets are winning. People care. Um, so whenever the Hornets are winning, it makes my job that much more interesting because people care. And whenever people want to talk Hornets, I'm all ears. There you go. Coming up, we're giving away two tickets to Friday night's contest against the Philadelphia 76ers. If the Bulls lose tonight to the Rockets, that could be the game. The Hornets clinch their playoff spot. If you're listening live, I'll give you instructions on how to win those two seats. What? Can I say something? Sure. My guy James Harden is going for like 30 tonight. The Hornets should clinch. Yeah, hopefully. Later on in the show, we'll give you the, uh, the hashtag. that will, or no, Actually, we'll give you the tweet that you have to retweet. All right, could, uh, could be the playoff clincher. Either way, it's one of the last chances to see the Hornets team before the playoffs start. You can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice like our new Hive uh, Hive O'Clock Alarm, a morning mini-pod, 15 minutes, David and I getting you up to speed on everything you need to know about not only the Hornets, but also uh, what's going on in the NBA as well. With that, we say let's swarm Charlotte. A new member of the Hive Talk Live team, Dustin Pfeiffer, coming up in, in just a few as well. Can't yeah, forget we're growing. that. We're growing. That's right. And and uh, Nick Denning. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Nick. Happy birthday, Nick. He was on Tuesday's show. He's coming back to talk about Aaron Harrison. We'll check in with him in the D-League as well, so that's coming up. But first, before we get into any of that, I want to recap what has been an amazing month of March for the Hornets. They end that month at 13 and 3, that's a franchise record for most wins in a month. 5 of 6 of those were on the road. They've shot over 40% from beyond the arc. They take an offensive rating of 110, my goodness, defensive rating of 101, that defensive rating almost back to December levels of of defense for the Hornets. Assist to turnover ratio 2.07, that's a high for the Hornets and the pace is back up above 98. They're not getting more fast break points necessarily. It just seems like they're getting into their offense quicker, getting more possessions, and that's been good for the offense. Three-point percentage in both February and March for opponents is hovering at just above 32%. That's far better than January's 38% and December's 35.5%. We're going to talk about Courtney Lee coming up with Dustin Pfeiffer, and I think uh, that he might have a, a big say. I think he's had a big say in that uh, perimeter defense improving for the Hornets, and it's going to be important, uh, uh, Justin, uh, for them in the playoffs. What you have to be able to shut down the three-point shot. Uh, I want to ask you this though: when you look back at the month of March, Justin, if you had one word 
to describe this historic, I'm going to take that word away from you, historic Hornets month, what would it be? I got one for you. Give it to me. Significant. You should ask me why I chose significant. Significant. It's it's multi-syllabic. Oh, yeah. Because I would say this. They had a phenomenal month. What is it? Um, They were the third best team in the NBA Mm -hmm. um, record-wise. They beat the Spurs. And another thing is sometimes teams can, can beat really good teams. But I don't know if that necessarily really makes you a good team. I think it's the games where... You're playing the teams that you have a better record than, but you know those teams are going to come out and compete. And I feel like you hear a lot of people always say, yeah, these guys are learning how to win. These guys are learning how to win. They say it all the time in college. And, you know, from recent years, you know, I'd watch a lot of Hornets games, and it would come down to the fourth quarter, and Mm -hmm. they'd be right in it. And when it came down to it, they just couldn't close. And this year, granted, the talent upgrade. I told myself I wasn't going to say that word. But they they have the talent upgrade, and they're winning. There are games that have been ugly. There are games that have been pretty. You've had you've had the unlikely suspects come in the game, like Cody Zeller. You've had you had Troy Daniels play in certain spots. You had Jeremy Lamb get back in the rotation. Jeremy Lin's shot is starting to fall. Courtney Lee is comfortable. Al Jefferson is showing he can pass out of the double team. And Kimball Walker, who went on a great stretch, he looks human again. And the team is still winning. I thought that was I was really curious to see how they would play when Kimba didn't score 30 points when he scored 15, scored 16. And then also, you know that guy, um, I believe his name Nick Batoon. Oh, yeah, I, um, I know that guy. I think he's a pretty good basketball player also. So things are coming together, they're healthy, and they're playing good basketball at the right time. Yeah, I, I think he's he's proven uh, that uh, that acquisition was very savvy by uh, Rich Cho. Cho knows. Yes, he does. I like that. Uh, my one word, I could go with healthy. Uh, but uh, that seems a little odd now that that Jeremy Lin has an ailing back, and you know you had the Spencer Hawes injury as well. But their main core has remained healthy. But I'm not going to go with that word. I'm going to go with, and I have to use the the right inflection for this. Easy, because I mean, if you look at the month of March, the the competition was certainly not up to the level of competition that they faced in prior months. So. I think while I am excited that the Hornets did well in March, I, I still have some question marks about this team and and the transition that they have to make. And I think to transition to get ready for the playoffs, and I think a lot will be answered uh, very soon, April 3rd at Cleveland and April 5th at Toronto. I think those are two big barometers for, for where the Hornets are. Can they rise to that level of competition? Can Can they win? If if the three pointer isn't falling to the level to forty percent, you know, I mean that's that's amazing to shoot forty percent from beyond the arc for a month. Can they win at thirty five percent? Because they lose at about thirty three percent. Can they can they win ball games that are that are tight? Because that's what playoff basketball is. So I, I have questions about that. But uh, t- tell us what you think on Twitter. One word to describe. The, this historic uh, month for the Hornets, 13 wins. Again, that's a franchise record uh, for any month uh, for this team. Uh, this morning, I talked to somebody very interesting, Jonathan Abrams, author of a new book, Boys Among Men, How the Prep to Pro Generation Redefined the NBA and Sparked a Basketball Revolution. This, is, this was a, a great book, a great read, and it had a couple of really interesting uh, pieces in there about the Hornets franchise over the years. Obviously, the the name that comes up, I think, immediately when you think prep to pro is uh, Kwame Brown. No, I'm kidding. It's it's one Kobe Bean Bryant, the Black Mamba. You know, Justin, one of Justin's uh, favorite. I don't even say player, just favorite probably human beings. Yeah, that, that is my on guy. the face of the earth. That is my guy. All right, well then, just for you, Justin, I have a, a clip from that interview. I interviewed him this morning. The full piece will be aired on uh, Tuesday. Uh, we've got a, a great feature on Prep to Pro and and how it's affected the Hornets franchise. But I just want to play a piece just for Justin because uh, he's he's you know really loves Kobe. Yeah, and I think it's important, Jonathan, that that we understand. Like hindsight is always twenty twenty, and even after Kevin Garnett uh, was drafted a year prior out of high school, it, it seems like a lot of the GMs and a lot of the front offices were still struggling with the idea that a that a prep star 
could make the transition into the NBA. Is that is that correct? Yeah, without a doubt. And a couple factors went into it. Uh, only a handful of guys had made the jump before. Uh, in the 70s, it was Moses Malone, Harold Dawkins, and Bill Willoughby. And then Sean Kemp is kind of, he enrolled in college, but he never played for a college team. So he's kind of in that class. And then it was Kevin Garnett. So that was five big guys who had made that jump. So Kobe was the biggest guard. And the thinking was that the big guys could assimilate into the NBA faster just because their bodies would allow them to. So there, there was that skepticism over over Kobe, and then also, you know, I think the biggest example of teams still being skeptical over it is that the Timberwolves could have taken Kobe. They just had the success of with KG the year before. KG wasn't the MVP KG obviously yet, but he had shown that he had staying power in the league and he was going to grow and keep working and get better. But the Timberwolves didn't want to kind of tempt fate twice in consecutive years and ended up taking Stephon Marbury that year. Do you think that had Bob Bass gone back on the deal with the Lakers and kept Kobe Bryant, do you think Kobe would have played in Charlotte? Oh, sorry. That's uh, that's it for the tease. I can't. We can't. Uh, we can't hear Jonathan's answer until Tuesday. You know that was just. That, <laughs> you know what that was like. That was my early April Fool's joke on you. You were waiting for the answer. You wanted to know would Kobe have played in Charlotte. Well, if you want to know, make sure to listen to us live on Tuesday. We'll have that full interview, that Justin. Was. So, of course, I w- I was talking to Jonathan about the '96 draft. We we had many more questions on the '96 draft. Of course, the Hornets selected Kobe Bryant 13th in that draft, but traded him to the Los Angeles Lakers for Vladi Divac. Do you know this is just, that was just like waking up and ESPN tease you on Sunday morning with the Sunday conversation. You're like, oh, they're talking to Tiger Woods. They're talking to they're talking to LeBron James. Talking to Kobe Bryant. It was and a then great talk. They they show you they show you that nice clip as Sports Center's coming on, yep. but they don't get to it to the last thirty the last five minutes of the show. That was listen. They, we're mm. we're learning. We're we're learning how to do things. But I, I did like that. That was a good tease. I was I was intrigued. You yeah, know, my it was, antennas were up. It was a, and Jonathan has been. If you listen to NBA podcasts, you've probably heard him talk on this book before because it's a wildly popular book, and he's been on so many podcasts. Uh, he's been with Zach Lowe. He's been on the Vertical, and um, he he was uh, gracious enough to uh, extend an interview to this small little Charlotte outlet and we appreciated it and again that full interview coming up on Tuesday all right let's talk about let's move on to our preview we're not only going to preview the game coming up tomorrow uh, night uh, Philadelphia at Charlotte Uh, we're also going to talk about this Cavaliers game big game coming up on Sunday Uh, but let's let's start with uh, Philadelphia so Clifford talked about this matchup and and the advantages. He talked about it at practice today. The advantages of playing a team uh, twice in a row, the home and home, this close to the playoffs. Uh, talk about what Clifford had to say there, Justin. Well, actually, sadly, I missed it. But guess what? <laughs> guess what? Though, no. don't worry. I've got I got your back. I got your back, Justin. So uh, basically. You know, and I I agree that having a team back to back like this is, is an advantage, even if it's the, the lowly Philadelphia 76ers, because uh, they might not have NBA level talent, but they have an elite coach in my mind in Brett Brown, a very smart NBA coach. So he's going to do the best with the players he has, and he's going to make adjustments. And I thought he made good adjustments in that first game getting as small as possible. He was able to disrupt what Frank Kaminsky was able to do and, and, and really stifle his game with, with smaller players. So, you know, expect, I, I don't know, maybe they'll take 40-plus three-pointers again or maybe they'll try to figure out a way to score inside on this Hornets team. But you can bet that Brett Brown will will make some kind of adjustment and it will be uh, beneficial to this Hornets team to uh, – to figure out what that adjustment is early in the game and then try to counteract it. You know, that was a that was a great elaborate answer. I'm not gonna give I'm gonna tell you I'm not gonna give you all that. Because you know why? The Philadelphia 76ers are the worst team in the NBA. There are a lot of people. Don't go out on a limb. There are a lot of people. Um I've I've actually um heard a lot of guys recently kind of mention the horns and national guys say, hey, the 
you know, look out. The horns have done this. The horns have done that. So now they're starting to get a little bit of attention. Not a ton, but a little bit. And if you want to be taken serious in this league at this time of the year, you, you win basketball games. If Charlotte was to lose to the Philadelphia 76ers, I don't want to hear anything about Brett Brown. Well, you can't. So the danger with this game, obviously, is the Hornets look to Cleveland and look to Toronto and and get hype for those two matchups because it'll be a chance to get a signature, a couple of signature road wins. And you look at the standings right now and they have an opportunity not only to clinch a playoff berth, but to possibly get home court advantage in the playoffs and you you just don't want to look past the Philadelphia 76ers because you know you take a look at your Lakers team that beat the Miami Heat in overtime and the Heat playing uh, good ball mm-hmm. as good a ball as the Hornets or the Celtics or the Hawks and the Lakers were able to defeat them in overtime in a close game and and they played them very physically and they were able to do things successfully, even though the Lakers have a lot of turmoil surrounding their basketball team. So, you know, you don't want to give Philadelphia, who can get hot from beyond the arc, any opportunities in this game. You want to see the Hornets get off to a good start, something they've struggled with this season, playing well in the first quarter. And I want to see Frank. I want to see the adjustment that Frank Kaminsky makes against, because we saw Kendall Marshall and several others really able to stay with Frank Kaminsky and and negate what he could give you on the perimeter, but also somehow stay with him inside. Because Frank, you know, they, they fronted him a lot. They got very physical. They were fast. And, and Frank wasn't able to get clean catches. He turned the ball over. So you want to see not only can Frank use his physicality to – overpower some of those smaller matchups but you want to see if the team can recognize because there were some there were some times in that last game against Philadelphia where the ball didn't get to Frank quick enough when he had that when he had good position inside and you know you allowed Kendall Marshall to get a front on Frank Kaminsky so I think that's an adjustment that the Hornets have to make And, and I think the other question Justin is can the Hornets get a breather in the fourth quarter and, you know, do they need the rest? No, not right now. You don't think they need the rest? Not right now. I, I think they're I think they're all right right now. Nobody's outside of Big Al who has a ton of mileage. I think everybody else is good to go. Um, About the Frank thing, which I thought was a really good point, is he's I feel like he's learning to become more physical and actually use his body because there's some guys that are big or strong or and, and don't know how to use their body. And one thing I've noticed over the past, I would say, month, Every time we're allowed in the practice, Frank, Spencer Haas, Cody, excuse me, not Cody, and what is my guy's name? Tyler Hansbrough, Frank, and Spencer. They all work out together. And mm-hmm. it's it's like a one-on-one, like a king of the court type deal. And they don't, but it's not finesse at all. Like everybody is, is right on each other. And, and when I watch it, you know, there are times, you know, Frank can, can make a good move. And there are times he goes straight into their chest. And I realized he, he's he's finally learning because Tyler Hansbrough is a bulldog. Like when Tyler gets out there, whether he's guarding or he's guarding Frank or he's matched up with Spencer, he makes it hell for them. So I feel like, okay, if I have but to Frank go against this every control. day. Frank has better control. I mean, yeah. Frank has better control. He has a better handle, I think, than Tyler Hansbrough. So that's where that advantage, and he has to use that advantage. I, I take a look at the play in overtime when the Lakers defeated the Heat. And it was Julius Randle using his handle to to get away from Ding and, and face up and, and hit the floater in the lane. Frank doesn't have that yet. He he it. he has the spin move. Uh, that's his sort of go to move. But if anyone gets a body on him after that spin move, he's not able to deflect that contact yet. And so that's where you'll see a turnover or possibly an awkward shot. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I he's think he's young, man. Give, no, give no, him some I'm just, time. Listen, I'm just analyzing. He's young. I'm, no, I'm not getting. No, I'm just analyzing what's happening. Jeez. I, I, oh. <laughs> give give young Frank a break. All I can do is comment on what I see. Okay, let's bring in uh, the newest member of the Hive Talk Live team, uh, Dustin Pfeiffer, and now a special contributor for Hive Talk Live. Dustin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Good. We're about to talk Tired. about. We're about. <laughs> 
Yeah, you, can, you have some coffee. Do you have some Red Bull or something for Justin? He's 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 tired. He's he's upset that I didn't play more of the the Kobe Bryant conversation from earlier. Um, but well, but, I was listening in, and and you were asking if the Hornets needed some rest. So maybe maybe Justin needs a little rest. I do. Wells Fargo Securities is getting the best of me. We're, They're getting the best of me. Yeah, we're we're gonna run non-contact practices here at Hive Talk Live from now I appreciate on that, coach. Um, I appreciate until the playoffs, that. so that uh, Justin's okay for the show. Uh, now, I want to talk about this game coming up on Sunday. I, I know the the Hornets certainly don't want to look ahead to Sunday, but but we will against the Cavaliers. the The last game the Hornets played against the Cavaliers was also in Cleveland on February twenty fourth. The Cavs get the victory one fourteen. 103. It was really all about defense. LeBron James, uh, 23 points. Kyrie Irving, 23 points. 23, also the number of Michael Jordan. I, I see some Illuminati here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but don't you, you, you have to, you have to get either LeBron or Kyrie out of a rhythm in the first quarter because, you know, they were both able to just shoot uncontested shots, get into transition. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta focus in on one of those guys, right? Dustin, who would you focus in on, LeBron or Kyrie? Well, yeah, you definitely gotta take one of those guys out of the picture. I remember both that game very clearly. I remember LeBron James diving on the floor in the first quarter. Uh, taking it to the basket at will, and the Hornets were actually scoring points on the offensive end, but it looked like one of those games where LeBron James was coming to play with the purpose, and we've kind of seen this year, maybe he's in and out on some games because he's resting until the playoffs, he knows the playoffs is when it counts, but that was one of those games where he was trying to make a statement, and once he got rolling, once Kyrie got rolling, um, there was nothing the Hornets could do to stop him, so like you said, Doug, you've got to get to him early, and I think the guy you got to focus on is Kyrie Irving. I mean, I, you know, LeBron is, is going to get his. He, he's a bull down low. He can just attack to the basket whenever he wants. But if you can get Kyrie Irving off his game, then it almost forces LeBron to do too much. Maybe Kevin Love take more shots than they want to get. So I think Irving is the guy you got to take out of the picture. And the other thing is Irving is not a great defender. So if Kimba can take him out of that on the other end, and score some points, then you've got Irving really worrying defensively what he needs to do with Kimba, and that might break his rhythm on offense a little bit. So I think that's the guy you go after to try to attack um, when you're on offense and he's on defense, and also try to get him out of his game on offense. He's a great shooter, but if you can force him to shoot long, contested jump shots, um, you know, late in the shot clock, those kind of things, that's what you got to do. And if you can get him out of rhythm, then it kind of everybody else kind of falls out of rhythm as well. And we've seen. If things start going kind of sideways for this Cavaliers team, they're not really great at getting it back on track. So I think it's a very good point by you to, to say get to them early and take them out of their game. Yeah, and I mean, someone has to help Kemba Walker on offense. In the last game, no other starter eclipsed double figures in scoring. Kemba Walker had a, an exceptional game. Again, he has a favorable matchup against Kyrie Irving, but but you have to have somebody else step up on offense and uh, luckily for the Hornets, Channing Frye, who who blitzed the Hornets bench for 15 points on four of eight shooting from beyond the arc in that last game, he's played less than 15 minutes in their last four contests and is one of 17 from beyond the arc. Despite not having a more substantial role off the bench, he's still getting three or four shots up a night. So, you know, he's he's still dangerous. And, and the, the, what makes this game, I think, Dustin, tough to scout for is that you don't know what bench contributors are going to have to step up because you've got Kyrie, who may not play tonight in their game against the Nets. You've got LeBron James, who they're trying to rest and get ready for the playoffs. And, you know, he's he's donning the suit and getting on the sidelines and, and trying to trying to coach the squad up and, you know, make sure that assistant coach Tyron Lue, you know, has everything that LeBron needs. Uh, so this is kind of a tough game to prepare for because you're not you're probably not preparing for – you know, full-on Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. No, you're definitely not. They're 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 definitely going a different direction to end this season. Their their main focus is the playoffs. Even though they're only two games up on the Raptors for that number one spot, it kind of feels like they've still got that um, kind of locked in right now. So they have really started looking ahead. And like you said, I mean, the other night was very strange to see how that went with LeBron on the sideline in the suit, standing behind Tyron Lue, doing some defensive stances, showing guys what to do while Lue is talking. So, again, it's just a weird situation up there. you got Shumpert dropping towels on, on Lue's shoulder coming out of a huddle. Um, so you don't know what you're going to get. But I look back to that game in Charlotte where the Hornets really played well against the Cavaliers to get a win. And kind of the guy you were talking about a few minutes ago is Frank Kaminsky. When he was in there against Kevin Love, 
he went to town on Kevin Love on the offensive end. He, he posted him up. He was getting some jump shots. He was taking them to the basket. And, and to see a rookie like that and know that he's got a guy that he can take, that is a huge step in his progress. And hopefully that gives him some confidence when they play again, if Love is out there, that that's a, a matchup that he can take advantage of. So those are the kind of guys you need to step up when you're looking for extra help for Kimball Walker. You know the starter's got to do it. Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, all those guys. We know Batum, we're not sure how his offensive game will go if he has to guard a guy like LeBron James because that takes so much off of him. But, again, it's the other guys that come off the bench. Uh, Jeremy Land, who had a big game when Kimball was out one time against Cleveland. So those kind of guys are the guys that really need to step up in that role to give Kimball some help. And you mentioned Cleveland only two games ahead of the Toronto Raptors for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and the Raptors have beaten the Cavaliers twice this season. So that may, uh, two out of the three games the Raptors have taken, so that may be a little miscalculation by the Cavaliers, who certainly have played their best basketball at home, but to give up that home court, uh, I think, in a potential Eastern Conference finals matchup, unless Cleveland is maybe just not confident that Toronto can can seal the deal and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And my, my friend Justin is is shaking his head. Yes, that's probably Yeah, Cleveland's not probably. worried about Toronto. Like I don't wanna I am gonna discredit Toronto. What has Toronto done in the playoffs recently? Like I understand Cleveland, you know, they're so inconsistent, but they have LeBron James. That's enough. They're gonna beat Toronto. I'd be shocked if Cleveland didn't beat Toronto. Hey, listen, I, I have to agree with you, and it's it's kind of almost the same thing with the Hornets. We're, a lot of fans are sitting back saying, hey, we don't want to match up against the Atlanta Hawks. We don't know if we want to match up against the Boston Celtics. They've beat us a couple times this year. Maybe we don't want to be in seven, but maybe in the second round or something like that, we don't mind matching up with the Raptors because of how the Hornets have played them in the past. So either one – we're not giving Toronto enough credit, and that could come back to bite some people. Or two, like Justin said, people just don't believe in them because they haven't done anything in the playoffs and they have to prove it. So this is a big playoff season for the Raptors to see if they can prove themselves to be an actual real contender in the Eastern Conference. But, but Justin, don't, don't get too cocky. You're missing one big X factor, and that's Damari Carroll, <laughs> who could return, who could return for the Raptors before – the end of the season, getting him acclimated before the playoffs. That could be a huge addition to the Raptors roster, an element that they haven't had, a toughness on defense that they've been lacking here in the past couple of weeks. Not uh, so I, I think that's an issue. But but it is an interesting point because the, the disadvantage for the Hornets if they were to get a fourth or fifth seed is that they'd have to play the number one seed, and, and that at this moment would be Cleveland, but it would be very nice if Toronto did slip into, into that first seed because then you know, the Hornets have matched up well against Toronto. So we'll keep an eye on that. But, but Dustin, uh, you're here uh, this evening to talk to us about Courtney Lee, who has certainly made quite a strong impact on the defense. We were talking earlier about how the defensive rating for the month of March down to 101. That is equal with uh, the defensive rating that they had in December when they were probably playing their best defensive ball this year. Uh, talk to us about Courtney Lee and his impact. Now, what an impact he's made since he's came over. He, he's just a perfect fit for this team. Um, he's not a huge name, so wouldn't have got a lot of publicity at the trade deadline. But it's another one of those sneaky moves um, that Rich Cho does around the trade deadline where Show he basically knows. gets a guy for nothing. And that, and that guy, absolutely, and that guy's able to come in and, and make an impact right away for a stretch run. And just looking at Courtney Lee, I mean, this is a guy who's been in the league for a while. He's got that experience. He's played around playoff teams who have made a significant run. So to have him on this team, it is huge. And when you look at it here, Coach Clifford raves about him. He just talks about how he does all of the right things on the floor. He has high basketball IQ. So he's just one of those guys where you can put him out there He's not going to be flashy, so people aren't really going to notice him. But all of a sudden, you look up at the end of the game, and you look at the box score, and he's sitting around 13 or 14 points. And when you look at the guy he's guarding, the guy has had a really off night. So he just does those things that nobody really points out when you're looking at stats and looking at big-time players. But he's a guy that is essential when you're trying to have a playoff team who is not only trying to win their first playoff game, but maybe even a playoff series. So what a pickup by the Hornets to bring a guy like that in. Yeah, I mean, when you look at who he replaced in P.J. Hairston, who certainly Clifford would defend vehemently, but I, but I think there is an added level of professionalism, an added level of consistency, 
and an ad, ad, added level of chemistry. Courtney Lee was on Inside the Lines with Marty Herney earlier this week on ESPN 730. And uh, here, here's what he had to say about the, the state of the team right now and its chemistry. This team is together, and it doesn't matter who's who's leading the team in any category. It's just about getting a win. And uh, the opponents but can't prepare to like take one or two guys away, like you say, because there's different options every night with guys that are stepping up and making plays. The danger, Dustin, whenever you add someone at the trade deadline, whenever you shake it up, and this was a team in the Charlotte Hornets that had played well in portions before the All-Star break, so this isn't like you know, uh, bringing an, an added piece to a, a solidified playoff team or, or adding a piece to, to a uh, poorly performing team. This was a, a sort of a, a teeter-totter. It could have gone either way, and it looks like he has been able to not only acclimate himself to this team, but uh, really give them an, an edge that they needed on the defensive end and, and add to that chemistry that they seem to have developed. I mean, he definitely has. And the one you brought up PJ Harrison's name a few minutes ago. And I mean, that's one thing that I was going to touch on is when you look before Courtney Lee got here. Um, They kind of had a rotation of who was starting at shooting guard. But for the most part, it was P.J. Hairston. He started 43 games for this Hornets team before he was traded. And I was looking at the numbers today. And out of those 43 games that P.J. Hairston started, he only played over 30 minutes four times in all of those 43 games. Now you've got Courtney Lee coming in who's averaging about 31 minutes a game. And when you talk about bringing a guy in midseason and you don't know if it's going to work, I think it's almost a complete opposite this year. I mean, you had P.J. before this, and although Coach, you know, defended him, and although P.J. maybe did some decent things on defense, we all know that he was very inconsistent. And this is not to bash on P.J. Hairston. It just didn't work out. But when you bring a guy like Courtney Lee in now and you know that you can throw him out there every night for over 30 minutes a game, how much confidence does that give your starters, your coach, how much fresher does that make your bench knowing they don't have to come in early during a game or stretch themselves out longer? So to have a guy like that, to know you can put out there and can have chemistry with the teammates that he does, um, is so huge for this team. And, I mean, again, it's not going to get enough publicity, but this might have been, besides maybe a move that Detroit made, probably the biggest move at the trade deadline, and it's paying off now. Well, I like the the, the, the stat that you bring out about the, the minutes per game because – we talk about Courtney Lee's consistency in terms of his individual performances, but but his ability to play heavy minutes and, and and be a factor defensively has allowed Steve Clifford, in my mind, to develop uh, really solid rotations and, and solid rotations really when it comes to the bench. Like the bench knows who they're going to play with. The starters know who they're going to play with. And I don't think that was as as much the case when P.J. was here because you would see his minutes vary wildly depending on how he started the basketball game. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and Lee's also added an element of experience, Dustin, that I think will pay dividends in the playoffs because he's been to an NBA Finals in his rookie year and made an impact in that rookie year in the NBA Finals for the Orlando Magic under uh, uh, Clifford as, a, as, as an assistant coach for that team. Uh, again, Lee on ESPN 730 Inside the Lines talking about what he adds to this team. I think just one thing that I can bring is just that experience and that understanding of what it takes to win in the playoffs and uh, get that leadership uh, on and off the court, by example. So he's brought a lot of uh, leadership and experience to the defensive end of the floor, Dustin. What has he done to get this defense back to the level that it was playing at early in the season? Well, he's just, I mean, it's just a great individual defender as well as a great team defender. Um, and, you know, I, I really wanted to dig deep into his numbers since he's got here um, on the offensive and defensive end. And, you know, looking at on the defensive end, I looked at a last 10-game stretch where the Hornets have really been playing some good basketball. And three of their biggest wins um, were against the Rockets, the Heat, and Miami, and then, of course, that incredible win against the Spurs. And when you look at those three teams, they have three very good guards that Courtney Lee has to guard. And then the first one, obviously, is James Harden with the Rockets. You look at that game in a Hornets win, which basically was a blowout. James Harden goes 2 for 14 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3 for um, only 12 points. And that's, you know, Harden averages 28.6 points per game on the year. So an incredible defense there. Obviously, we know Courtney Lee doesn't do it all by himself. Obviously, there's times when other guys will step up and help him out. Um, But 
that is a great performance by him. And then you look in Miami when he shuts Wade down. Wade goes three for 13 for only 11 points. Hornets get a win. Then in the Spurs game, he holds Danny Green, Manu Ginobili, and Patty Mills to a combined two for 13 from the floor for seven points. Now, obviously, that's he didn't call all those guys. But again, but again, that's solid when those three guys combine to average 26 points a game for the season for the Spurs. So just looking at the impact that he's made – Obviously, again, he's not on the floor the entire time guarding those guys, but it's the things that he passes off to his teammates to show the experience that he has to help them on defense, be a good help defender. I mean, those are those are solid plays that he's making um, down the stretch when the Hornets really needed some wins to fight for home court. And again, from looking at his numbers, he's only getting better as this year goes on. So I only expect his uh, minutes, his numbers, his defense to increase heading into the playoffs. So here's what I'm looking at as the Hornets look at different playoff matchups. You know, one team we've talked about that the Hornets have struggled against uh, this season, the Boston Celtics and Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas had a lot to do with that. And so I I look at this addition with Courtney Lee, and I think you could switch him on to Isaiah Thomas or he could help shut down Avery Bradley. And I think that would do – of course, Courtney Lee was not on this team when the Hornets lost both of those games to the Boston Celtics. So I think his addition could be an X factor in a potential series with with Boston. And if you go down the line, Bazemore has played really well against the Hornets, and I think Courtney uh, Courtney Lee could do a good job against – Baysmore as well. And you know, here's a sneaky thing, guys, that I think we don't touch on enough with Courtney Lee, but I talked about the pace numbers increasing uh, both in February and March, and I think that Courtney Lee has a lot to do with that because it's funny because he's he's replacing a guy in MKG who we always said that about that everyone talks about the defense, no one talks about what MKG does in transition. I think Courtney Lee's the same way. I think he is able to get steals and and cause turnovers, push the ball up the floor, and and fill a gap in fast break points that I think this team would struggle with uh, because you know Batum likes to slow the ball up, Kimba likes to push the ball, but you got to have more than one guy on the floor. It takes two in my mind. There's a, well, there are a couple guys like LeBron James, a couple of one man fast break guys, but normally in the fast break it takes two to tango. And right now Kimba has a great uh, Dancing with the Stars partner in Courtney Lee. He, he's got a great partner. And, 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 you know, it's funny. We talk about Lee's defense and how important it is, and obviously that'll be a huge factor come playoff time. But if people don't really look at the stats, his offensive game has been very consistent for this Hornets team in this past 10 games. He did not score in double digits his first eight games as a Hornet as he was getting settled in. But let me give you these numbers for the last 10 games, and you tell me if this fits the bill of this team. He's averaged almost 11 points a game. I like it. He's shooting 48% from the field. I really like it. He's shooting 45 per, he's shooting 45% from 3. Oh yeah. And he's shoot and he's shooting 88% from the line. And, and again, he's averaging 31 minutes a game. So, you don't think that team would take that consistency every night and then you look at the biggest win in that stretch against the Spurs. Not only did he shut down those three guys, but he had 17 points, including the game-winning steal at the end of the game. So tell me that this guy is not a perfect fit for this team and going to help them make a big impact in the playoffs. Well, listen, I, I won't tell you that. I'll let uh, my good friend Cody Zeller tell you that. Oh, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like those stats. Uh, Dustin, great stuff there, my friend. Uh, you can follow Dustin on Twitter at Dustin Pfeiffer, P-H-I-F-E-R. Thank you, Dustin. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Great stuff. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Woo. That was uh man, if you like if you like statistics, if you like deep analytics on players, if you like scouting reports, if you like good defense and good offense, two-way players, you probably enjoyed that segment. I did enjoy that that <laughs> section. I'm not a big numbers guy, Dustin. Um he, he did well on that. Two things though. One, I'm a big James Harden fan. Nobody can shut James Harden down. He had an off night. Two, <laughs> two, <laughs> he couldn't hit a three. Hey, well, look, hey, I mean, when you know, the second when you, I mean, when you average what twenty eight point six points a game, you're gonna have a bad night. I'm just saying. But the other thing that I, that I liked, and well, I won't even say liked, but question what Courtney Lee is doing right now is what Charlotte envisions. Michael Kidd Gilchrist being able to do for them going forward, mm. and and when you when you talked about that, I w- it just made me think: Is he ever going to be healthy enough 
to give them those numbers. Like, Courtney Lee is doing everything that they wanted Michael Kidd Gilchrist to do. And I I would really like, just for people who really enjoy the Hornets and, and just for my sake of watching them play basketball, I, I would just love for that kid to be able to get it healthy because I think he could do similar things, if not better. All right, those of who I know, I agree with you. I, uh, those who have been patiently listening, waiting for this ticket giveaway, the time is now. We've pinned a tweet to the top of our Twitter profile. Go there now, retweet that tweet for a chance to win two tickets to see the Philadelphia 76ers take on your Charlotte Hornets in Time Warner Cable Arena on Friday night, 7 o'clock p.m. That tip. It's that simple. Just retweet that tweet that we pinned to the top of the Hive Talk Live Twitter page for a chance to win those two tickets. And and it's part of our effort to uh, get up to 20,000 listens in the month of March. It's been a big month for the Hornets. It's been a big month for Hive Talk Live. And we'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone that has listened, uh, not only to the Tuesday and Thursday shows, uh, but also uh, the Hive O'Clock Alarms. We'd also like to thank every single person that has taken the time out to guest on this show. And, of course, our friends at ESPN Seven. 30. Speaking of ESPN 7:30, and speaking of players who are playing well in this uh, two-week stretch or this really this incredible month for the Hornets, we've got uh, Adi Joseph who has uh, joined the Pulse yesterday with uh, Chris Allison and Bobby Rosinski on ESPN 7:30 AM. He's talking about Nick Batum and how he's become an offensive, uh, vital offensive piece and steady defensive hand. Let's take a listen. Nick Batum, though, Audi, is he uh, solidifying himself as being a guy that we'll see uh, having a lot of attention this offseason in the NBA? Oh, yeah, I think he's he's been on that list just because there's so much money and so few other free agents who are um, simply on his level. There's just not that many guys that you want to throw a max deal at, and so he might get one even though in a normal year he wouldn't. But certainly this recent stretch has been a nice little plus for both him and the Hornets. Did you think this was out there for Batum to be like he is? I mean, I didn't watch him a whole lot in Portland as there were some other big-name guys there that kind of had Batum uh, farther down the pecking order, but th- was this always some pe- people thought in the NBA we could see from Batum? It's, it's funny because uh, he plays like this whenever he plays for France, and Blazers fans had a long history of being sort of frustrated with him for not bringing – the France Nick Batum to Portland every year. But the real answer was he wasn't the focal point of what the Blazers were doing. And so I kind of had an inkling that, yes, France Nick Batum might really just be focal point Nick Batum, and that's what the Hornets offered him was a chance to make offense instead of defense his number one um, asset that he provides. And, and so he hasn't maybe been able to do it every single night he's had some really awful shooting nights for sure but he's always had this ability that was Adi joseph now deputy editor at sporting news congrats big yeah guy. congrats Adi, my man he's awesome love Adi. he joined again joined the pulse with chris allison and bobby rosinski you can listen to the pulse anytime on espn 730.com or as i found out the espn radio app that's a good way to listen live. Fancy, right? Three to seven, weekday afternoons, the Pulse. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, he was talking about Nick Batum and, and the frustrations that Blazers fans had with not getting the maximum amount of Nick Batum. And I think the Hornets have certainly gotten the maximum amount of Nick Batum, a guy who is not a triple-double threat every night, but he is a triple-double threat, and he's a guy that even if he's not scoring the ball well, can impact the game's game in other ways offensively with his distribution and I, I I have to set the maxometer whether or not we give Nick Batum the max I think we have to set that to nine I, I think I think it's it's high up there now because other national guys are coming out and saying that's you know a lot of this is stirred by conversation you know the market we talk about what does the market say and a lot of that has to do with the national guys do, do, do the rest of the NBA, do other teams think he's a max guy? All of these things swirl and create a market, and you're already seeing national guys coming out and saying, Nick Batum, max guy. I think the Hornets are going to have to get the wheelbarrows out, put as much money as they can in there, and back it up into his contract signing. Yeah, I, 
I still, if if I was another team, I guess if I had a little bit more, I wouldn't give him the max deal. But for Charlotte, oh, you know, you're you're good now. People care. You can't just let him walk. I would say this season has been three steps forward. If there's some reason, even if they offer the max deal and Batum doesn't come back, I think you take two to four steps back. They they just look better when he's on the floor. Now, granted, well, he does it. The thing with with Nick Batum is that he does it with such ease. Like he, it doesn't look difficult with him at all on offense. The way he moves off ball and off of screens, and, and the way he can get his shot against even even more physical, even taller defenders, he's able to rise above with those long arms and knock down shots that you go. It looked easy, but that had to be an incredibly difficult shot to take. And of course, drawing the fouls on the three-point shot. I mean, he's not a guy that you can throw the ball to. He's not a Carmelo Anthony that you can throw the ball to and say, go get me a bucket. But he's a guy that can get on really devastating scoring streaks. He can put buckets back to back to back to back and break the back of the opponent. And Charlotte hasn't seen a guy like that. In a very long time. Do you know what I like about Batum? You watch a lot of guys make nice moves, and you can tell that they worked hard. Or if somebody's getting physical, Mm -hmm. you can tell it frustrates them. Back to your point, he's just silky smooth. It's like people who who use three words... Or, or it's it's like the guy that you were describing is like a guy that uses ten words when they only needed four. And, uh, you know... Because guys get into Nick, him at times, Nick and Batum. like his facial expression doesn't change. He doesn't become the aggressor. Uh, he's very. He always plays his game. He's even kill. Now you might see him, you know, do his little celebration if he miss a three, and he does like his little his little skip jump. I don't I don't know what you call it. That's the most you're gonna get out of him. He's he's extremely calm whether the shots are falling. Um, and I just I just like watching them play. This whole team is even kill, and I think you know when you're talking about team building, I think they went out and got a lot of guys who are professional, who are even keel, and that's how they've... they've. I mean, I think the front office has manufactured this chemistry. It wasn't something that happened by accident. I think they went out and got guys who could get along with one another because generally they can get along with everyone. So, I, again, I think that's a testament. To back your point, yeah. um, a guy from, what is it, um, WSOC asked, so are you guys going to go out and, and celebrate if you guys were to clinch? He said, you know, we should we're gonna be happy, but you know, we're not gonna sell ourselves short of that. Like we wanna make the playoffs, but we're not going out That's and, step and, one. Yeah, like we're not going out and 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 having a party or buying bottles all night because the goal is to get a championship. And I, I that answer right there summed up everything because whether they beat the Sixers or they beat the Spurs or they beat the Cavs, you're not gonna get anything different. They're gonna say, We played well as a team, it was a good win going forward. We're going to go back, watch film, practice, and and look forward to putting a good game together tomorrow night. And it's showing. All right, let's go back out to the Hive Talk Live hotline where our man Nick Denning, he's the birthday boy. Happy birthday, Nick. Welcome on to the show. Thanks, guys. Nick, are you getting old? Um, yes. I mean, it's, I'm imagine closer to 30. Getting older, getting married. This hey, is a big, okay, this is a big is year for you. Age is beautiful. How old are you now, 16? Yeah, yeah. 17? <laughs> I, I wish. I wish. No, it's 27. Hey, oh, nothing well, wrong with that worry. at all. Your voice will change one day. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nick, you wrote a great article on Aaron Harrison. Uh, uh, thriving in the D-League, would you say? he's? We, we want to check in on this guy. He's been with the Erie Bayhawks uh, for a little while now. How's Aaron Harrison doing in the D-League? Well, his, his, you know, he had a pretty pretty good performance um, a few nights prior to his most recent one. He scored 34 points, uh, but it was obviously a lot of points. But I think more impressively, he was 6 of 11 from the three-point line, which is something that, you know, the Hornets definitely want to see more of, you know, him making more from the outside. Um, most recently, he scored 27, and this was a, in a close loss to the Delaware 87ers. Um, you know, despite the 27 points, he, scored, he was 0 of 7 from the three-point line. So I think this kind of sheds kind of sheds light in the fact that, you know, he is getting better, but it's not consistently enough from that three-point line, mind you. But what I liked, you know, if you watch the highlights of that game against the 87ers, what I liked is almost all of his shots were created off of, you know, his own doing. So whether it was dribbling through defenders, um, you know, pulling up for jump shots, 
I mean, none of these were coming off of, you know, catch-and-shoot opportunities. And I think that's something that, you know, he could potentially bring to the next level. So creating his own shot, that's a positive way to look at it, but uh, he probably wouldn't be called on to create too many shots uh, when he gets another shot at at the big leagues. Uh, Do you think that... Uh, isn't that kind of a D-League thing? I mean, don't all guys create their shots in the D-League? It's not a very pass-happy league, I'd imagine. No, it's it's not. But it's, and I think that's where the three-point shooting has to come and has to be so important for him because I think you know, he's showing he can, he can you know, create for himself. But, like, you know, I think you, you make a point there. He's not going to probably be able to do that at the next level. He's not even really going to be asked to do that. But if he can't improve that three-point shooting – that could open up maybe some of the other stronger parts of his offensive game, like that creating for himself. And, you know, I'm not going to, again, we're not expecting him to be any focal point of the offense, but, you know, we've seen some of these role players throughout the season kind of have those moments where they can kind of take things into their own because they're playing well. What's the best case scenario, do you think, for Aaron Harrison as, as he looks to, to a summer where he'll have to show uh, not only the Hornets, but the rest of the league that, that he can uh, get back in this thing and, and tussle uh, with NBA players? So that's a good question. Um, you know, he's he's got to have a good summer, obviously. And I think what the one thing he, that that he has going for him is he has that contract through next season. Um, but my feeling has always been that you know, even if he has a really good summer and a really good training camp, I think they probably see him going to the swarm and kind of being the focal point of the swarm. Not to say that he won't get a shot at times in the NBA, because I think the the Hornets pl- probably plan to bring players up and down a lot, um, but. You know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you expect the Hornets are going to try and keep this nucleus together. And even if they lose a few guys, some of the you know, smaller role players, I, I'm not sure where Harrison fits on, you know, on the roster just yet. Nick Denning here talking about uh, Aaron Harrison. If you want to uh, get a little more in-depth look, make sure to check out his article on At The Hive. Nick, you, you want to stick around and play a little Are You Okay With That? It's a new segment we have. Absolutely. All right. So it's called, are you okay with that? And we're going to look at a few topics from around the NBA and ask uh, these two wonderful gentlemen and and scholars of the NBA, uh, are you okay with that? Uh, First comes uh, D'Angelo Russell. I I don't want to get into this argument that seems to be happening on Twitter about who is more wrong, D'Angelo Russell for taping Swaggy P., uh, secretly or or swaggy for cheating on Iggy Azalea. That's a very toxic argument. I don't want to. I, I won't put you gentlemen through that. I want to focus on what the Lakers fans did in that game against the Heat. They booed D'Angelo Russell. Lakers fans, his own team's fans, booed him every time he touched the ball. I ask. Uh, we'll start with you, Justin, the the big Lakers fan. Are you okay with that? I am not okay with that. I remember. If I'm not mistaken, during the Super Bowl, John Casey had a terrible kickoff, which <laughs> okay. ended up putting the um, the Patriots in field goal range to eventually yes. win the game. Thank you for bringing that up. That, that's, that, that fanfare the following summer, when John Casey came out round to the field, the teams adored him. D'Angelo Russell didn't miss a shot to win the NBA Finals. Yes, um, you know, he's supposed to keep a lot of those things in confidence, but he didn't. The kid made a mistake. He's going to learn. He's going to grow for it. But to boo, I think that's a little extensive. Nick Denning, are you okay with that? You know, I'm not okay. Well, I guess what's interesting is, you know, I've been kind of listening and reading some other takes on this. And, and, you know, something I I will give D'Angelo some credit for is he has kind of handled it pretty well ever since this got out. And it seems like almost everybody, other, almost every other party, kind of seems to not be handling this handling necessarily all right. I mean, I understand why the fans are booing, but I mean, that's not exactly going to change anything. Um, I mean, they did win that game, by the way, which is I think you know, big ups to the Lakers, by the way, because we needed that. We needed the Heat to lose. Um, so no, I mean, I don't think I'm. I'm not okay with, I guess, the fans booing, but at the same time, I do kind of understand where they're coming from. I don't know. It's a, t- it's a tough tough one to, to answer. It's just a weird, like, snitches get stitches, like, mentality, mob mentality from this Laker. It's like, what does this have to do with you Lakers fans? This is, I mean, why boo? It's just such a weird thing to it's me. I don't, I don't understand it either. I, all right, let's move on to the next one. Tony Parker on a French radio station uh, predicted that Greg Popovich will rest the starters during both remaining matchups with the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors on track to beat the best record of all time in the NBA. 
but but Coach Pop looks like he might rest his starters. Nick, we'll start with you on this one. Are you okay with that? You know, I, I am, and I think because this is almost like a no lose situation for the Spurs. Like the Spurs aren't chasing, you know, the best record in the NBA. Um, they kind of they they probably figure that they'll be the two seed regardless. You know, if they lose these games. So be it. I mean, they're still going to be – they've rested their players. The guys will be fresh going into the playoffs. If they win the games, think about how that's going to affect the Warriors. You know, hey, you just lost one or two of these games with, you know, the Stars resting. Like, that could have, like, a, a psychological effect there. Um, so, yeah, I like it. Resting starters against the Golden State Warriors, it's kind of, it's a little bit of, like, cheap – it could cheapen the Warriors – a quest for 73. Justin, are you okay with that? No, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> You're not, not okay, with, okay it. with it. He's cranky. We already know I he's tired. Not. He's cranky now. I love the NBA, and I love the big games that the NBA has slated. And granted, for the third time today, the Spurs are getting a little bit older, but you would think they'd want to get the home record. Granted, their bigger goals are to win a Super Bowl. Right. I mean, oh, Super Bowl. Me, during the NBA Finals. I don't like it. This is what Put you get for Kawhi. using a football analogy in a Put basketball out Kawhi, <laughs> LaMarcus Aldridge, Tony Parker, and stop the babyface assassin and take care of that home court. You know, I get it. I get. I know the segment's called "Are You Okay with That?" But my my response is, I get it. Like you know, you want to rest your stars, you don't want to show your hands. But I think you know, as an NBA fan, I, you know, I I just want to see the big matchups, and it just sort of cheapens the regular season i know that the playoffs are, are a second season and that's what it's all about but i just hope one day we we i don't know what you have to do to the season if you have to shorten it or something but i hope one day the regular season uh, and, and especially the end of the regular season could matter a little more thank you that was a great answer finally somebody feels the same way I don't know. all right <laughs> No rest. Uh, well, we'll do this one really quick, really quick. Um, Bucks head coach Jason Kidd thinks there's a misunderstanding about his new point man, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He says that Giannis will be the initiator on offense, but not guard point guards, much like LeBron James. Oh, I bet Giannis felt good about that. Thanks, coach, for comparing me to LeBron. Are you okay with Jason Kidd pledging his point guard position into the future to the Greek freak, Justin? I love it. Point guards drive the NBA. If Giannis gives you the best at handling the ball and running that offense, let's go ahead and make Giannis that point guard. Nick Denning, are you okay with that? Yeah, I, I got to agree because, I mean, if there is no better option right now on that team than Giannis, and Giannis is doing well, especially this past month, yeah, give it to him. Let it let it go. See what you, see what you can get out of it. I mean, if, if he can improve on it in the summer as well, I mean, yeah, I, I like it. There you go. That was our first segment of Are You Okay With That? Let us know what you think on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Nick Denning at the Hive. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Denning. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, my Enjoy friend. Enjoy that birthday, my man. Yeah, yeah. Have a good birthday. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Eat some cake. All right. What time for what? We have yeah a little over two minutes left. Time for one last thing, and this is a celebration. You know, we're a podcast. We're an independent podcast, and we exist on atthehive.com, an SB Nation blog. So we have to give it up when one of our independent coverage brethren gets a shout-out from an NBA head coach. And this happened. Rick Carlisle asked about going with uh, going with a particular substitution late in a game. And, and, well, I'll just let Rick Carlisle explain why he decided to go with this particular substitution. I, uh, I looked at Mass Moneyball and... There was something I read that inspired me to do that. MavsMoneyBall.com, the SB Nation blog on the Dallas Mavericks, wrote an article, and apparently Rick read it. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, I Score one for the blogs. Yes. Just We might we not be it. big time at the moment. We've made it. But guys are making their way. That's beautiful. You think Steve Clifford ever listens to this podcast? You think he's secretly like at, uh, you think he's secretly one of our Twitter followers? <laughs> Clifford's old school. He probably don't even know what Twitter is. All right, maybe he knows what Twitter is, but I know he doesn't have an active account. I know that for a fact. Well, if you're listening, Steve, try to get Spencer in there a little more. We, we, we want to see a little more Hawks, I think. A little ball movement. If a little more can, ball movement. If he, can, if he can stand on two feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, Spencer's got a bad back. 
All right, that'll do it for us uh, Hornets fans. Uh, again, thank you so much uh, for for helping us. If we get to 20,000, if we don't get to 20,000, uh thank you so much for uh listening and supporting this uh podcast as as we continue to do great things and and the Hornets continue to do great things. That's it always makes doing that sh- this show a lot easier. Uh follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to at the hive. Or excuse me. Listen to ESPN seven thirty a.m. anytime, anywhere at ESPN seven thirty com for Justin, Dustin, and Nick. I'm Doug saying, stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple. <laughs>